Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton. And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Welcome back to the Simply Why podcast. I'm Dennis Morton here with Katie Brown. Katie, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Dennis. Great. Great. And you? Good. We're back to recording in the morning. It's a little quieter outside. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Apologies for previous podcast episodes where you guys might have picked up some sirens or or music. We get our musical entertainment coming in the afternoons. We're in downtown Allentown and we're up on the third floor, but it is amazing how noise can travel up. So every once in a while, we, we bring up a, a little extra flair to the podcast. Yeah. Katie's favorite song blasting in the background, some thumping beats. That'd be good. <laughs> It's excellent. And we're also sufficiently caffeinated in the morning, not over caffeinated in the afternoon. So you get the best of us when we're recording in the morning. (laughs) I think today's episode could be titled Someday, because we're going to talk about delayed gratification. When we talk about putting off or sacrificing the now in favor of the future, there's a lot of positive to that. In fact, I googled delayed gratification in finance. And everything was positive. Like, this is the key to success. This is what you need to do. Today, we're going to talk about the negatives, right? (laughs) There is the other side of the coin. There's a flip flip side. And as as retirement planners and as people who work with really good savers, people with good habits, we see it, don't we? We do. We do. There's the good and the bad, but it, it can present challenges. You train your brain for so long and your habits and you create those that sometimes it's difficult to flip that around when you need to. If, if I could, I'm going to start with a personal story on this because the, the word someday actually has pretty substantial meaning in our household. So starting out, Gina and I didn't live in the same, we didn't live in the same area code until we were married. Like she lived in New Mexico. I lived in Texas and we were just spread out for a long time. And then we started, had fits and starts and starting the career and just, it was always kind of punting things down the line. And she had this thing, this little song she would sing. And she would just, every time we would talk about like future plans, like one of these days, this is all going to work out. She would sing someday, do, do, do. And it was the someday, do, do, do song was in our lives. It felt like for a decade in our early career, because it was always some, someday this career is going to work. Someday we'll be settled. Someday we'll see each other. And it was always kind of pushing off down the line. And even in our thirties and into our forties, it's been tough to deprogram that mm-hmm. and to say like, that, that's when we talked about the sabbatical earlier this year, that was a massive deprogramming for us to say, we're going to enjoy this moment and there's going to be trade-offs long-term, but that someday thing, we need to start pulling that back in a little bit. So we need a different song. I need to get to work and kind of noodle something on the guitar and come up with a different song. So Dennis, out of curiosity, what were some of those tipping points for you? What were some of those moments when you and Gina said, okay, let's, let's prioritize this now. Let's stop pushing things forward and and saying, this is our time. I think it has a lot to do with you, you and I've talked before about how I have a ticking clock. Mm-hmm. In my mind, I, I feel the passage of time very acutely. And with our oldest son in a senior year of high school, and those reminders that time is passing, that this season of life is going to be moving on to a different season, and just being reminded that this is not going to be here forever, 
and that has kind of edges to it as well. But um, I think similar to a retiree or anyone approaching transition, a lot of times they become more intentional about the present when they recognize the passage of time. Yes. And Gina and I started to notice the passage of time in this in this particular season and said, all right, we need to make sure that our future selves are going to look back and say, we're really glad that we pulled a few things forward and stopped saying that, oh, that's, that's the rolling five-year plan. It's always five years away. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't want to have the rolling five-year plan. I think you're exactly right when it comes to couples that we work with in retirement. Oftentimes it is that timing question where they say, this has always felt like it's so far in the future, but suddenly we're looking up and we're 58, 60 years old. And that so far in the future is not so far in the future. And now we need to start thinking about how does this transition, but that's not always easy when you've built the habits to get to where you're at. Why do you think that does turn into the rolling? Why why the procrastination? What what have you noticed with people? Like, why do they keep pushing it out and pushing it out? Is it out of fear? Is it? I do think there is a large underlying fear for many people nearing retirement. And it's, it's concerns about what they're going to do with their time. It's concerns about the money aspect, the resources. Honestly, I think sometimes it's concerns that they may not be on the same page and have the same vision looking forward. While it's important to have those those dreams, those goals, those someday conversations, sometimes that feels uh, it feels a little fluffy or it, it, it doesn't feel as concrete. But now they're suddenly looking up and saying, all right, now this is going to become real and concrete. Are we really in the same place? All this stuff that we've talked about for fun, is it actually the reality of what we want? Do, do we want to pick on the engineers now? All, 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 the, all the numbers and spreadsheet people? I mean, they're not all engineers, but there's a certain subset of people we work with that are incredible savers. Their spreadsheets have spreadsheets and they've got it all figured out and yet they can't fathom spending it. Mm-hmm. They can't fathom this idea that what happens when you hit the goal? Like we, we had we had a conversation a client before who just, you know, the, the goal is like, I'm, I'm, I'm off of my projections. Well, the projections have you with more money than you're ever going to spend. So if you're off a little bit, hopefully it's because you're enjoying it. Right. And you're actually spending money on the things that, that define a high quality life. And this is where we're going to talk about this another time, but this is where the coaching comes in. Mm-hmm. Like we can do all the numbers work in the world, but at some point you need to kind of like, let's focus here, people. Like, what is this for? And maybe, maybe it's not for 10 years from now. Maybe it's for right now. Mm-hmm. Give me kind of the positive and negative in your experience of delayed gratification. The positive is setting up those habits. In, in your accumulation years, you do want good habits around spending, savings, and, and prioritizing. Kind of a small but simple personal story. My husband, Deke, and I, we, from day one, our very first paycheck for both of us, and and this is you know twenty thirty thousand dollars we're making annually. We still said, all right, we need to save at least ten percent of our our income. So there were plenty of things that we sacrificed in having smaller paychecks just starting out, but making sure that we were prioritizing savings. We did not buy our first new piece of furniture until after we bought our first house. 
(laughs) (laughs) Up until that point, it was going to family members. Oh, do you have a couch you're getting rid of? We'll take it, (laughs) you know, or, or whatever the case may be. But was it a couch or did you just kind of ease in with an ottoman or something? (laughs) (laughs) We would definitely take anything that was up for grabs Um, because overspending too early was frightening to us. And, and I think we, we both had that mindset that you do the savings first. And then if there are things left over, then you kind of fill in the life that you want to lead. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily the right way to do it. I think that there are all different types of balances, but that was the approach that, that he and I adopted. And it is delaying that gratification until later. And I think there's, there's so much positive for that. We're both talking about this era between kind of the late 90s, early 2010s, like we're, we're roughly the same age anymore. The older we get, the closer in age we are. So <laughs> that's, that's the, that's a fun phenomenon, but although Katie's got a birthday coming up I do, yeah. next week. So we're, we're closer. Yes. And just to say, I, I will always love birthdays and I think everybody should always love birthdays. It's your special day. Regardless. One of, one of my pet peeves is when people are like, I don't want to celebrate my birthday. They poo-poo their birthday. Yeah. 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 Like, no, that's your day. Enjoy it. Yeah. You don't have to do anything fancy or flashy or whatever, but just live in the moment. So so the confetti cannons are overboard on Monday? Yeah, yeah not needed. Okay. All right. Just making sure. We're talking about that era, late 90s, early 2000s. And to, to delay gratification was challenging at that time because there was a lot of, that was the boom in the housing market. And a lot of people were buying their first homes that were as big as their parents' homes. And it was just this, it's always going up. It's always going up. And I think one of the great things in our experience was delaying gratification. We, we lived in a small twin, lived on one income and, and just kept eyes on the long-term and saying like this, the, in, in the long-term, these sacrifices, the things we're doing that are a little bit countercultural right now are going to benefit us. Yeah. But then, you know, 10, 15 years later, different circumstances, we're still kind of addressing some of the same habits and saying, are they the habits that are serving us best now? So let's fast forward to somebody who's in their 50s or 60s now. They've been an excellent saver. They've got a great investment philosophy. They've been doing it right. They've been good accumulators. What's that transition in skill set like? Because it's, it's, it's a whole different skill to learn how to enjoy money once you've accumulated it. I'm not sure I know the answer to the transition in skill set. I think there's definitely a transition in mindset mm. and you almost you almost have to compartmentalize your financial picture. So one habit is going to change. I, I think for many families, as they're nearing retirement, they're typically in their peak earning years, they are spending maybe thoughtfully, but maybe allowing themselves some more discretionary spending than, than they did previously. And so they're in a rhythm of spending. They're also in a rhythm of savings. Well, one of those has to give. Mm-hmm. So when you approach retirement, it's almost like you, if you want to keep the same lifestyle, then you almost have to set aside your thought process around the money. And you need to kind of retrain your brain to say, this is not the savings bucket. This is where my income comes from. This is my new paycheck bucket mm-hmm. and al- allow for those distributions. Because if you can compartmentalize that and, and set that aside, then you have the freedom to continue spending the way that you want to. And you won't feel a shift mm-hmm. as readily. But 
if you're not making that shift, then you're feeling it on both sides. It's either you're, you're either going to feel it on one side, or you're going to feel it on both sides. Something's going to shift and, and you need to kind of recalibrate your, your brain to allow for that. It's not an easy task, but I, but I think it's reframing how you think about that savings pool and now thinking about it as an income pool. And a lot of that, the confidence that it takes to make that leap comes from the financial planning process. Right. Right. It, it, it's, it's going in and saying, not that we know what's going to happen, but we've contemplated possibilities. There are things that this particular risk is, is yours and we need to plan for it and at least think that it could be there. Uh, and these things are maybe not risks for you, but if you have enough, then you can start thinking about how to use those dollars to, to live your best life. Right. I, I do think one of the, I don't know that I want to call it a common mistake, but I think people often underestimate the growth potential of their savings bucket, that money that they have saved. If you're not actively doing the planning, and let's just use some very simple round numbers and say, all right, there's there's a million dollars, a pool of money there. You're spending $50,000 per year. They look at it and they're like, okay, I have 20 years of income. That's it. But now there's going to be inflation. And what if the market goes down? And so suddenly they're dropping down those those number of years that they think that they have. And they're like, I only have like 10 years of income. I don't I don't know how this is going to work with me taking that much money out of the account. And, and oftentimes there is an underestimation of the growth of that and, and keeping pace with some of those spending levels and also recognizing other outside income streams. Right. Not all of your retirement spending is coming from one bucket, typically. I mean, at the very least, most people have social security income as well. So you have these multiple factors that are coming in that I think people naturally kind of narrow in their focus to say, this is all I have and it's not going to be enough. Yeah, and this comes back to something that you always say, and I'll, I'll let you finish the sentence. You don't hire a financial planner to create your plan. You hire them to change your plan. That's it. That's it. Right I wasn't sure if I was going to know where you were going with that, but I was right on there. Katie, Katie loves when I put her on the spot, especially when we're recording live. <laughs> so that's like a real comfort zone. Yes. Absolutely. That is our job. That is our job because life changes constantly. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what we need to do. We need to be there to, to help through those moments of change. And that, that's something where when to give people grace always, because we're, we're kind of, we're living in the world and, and things are confusing and everything else. But if there's one lesson we can take from the last three years is that change happens and it can happen fast. Yes. Like the circumstances for retirees now are so different than what they were a few years ago, whether it's the value of your home, the value of your portfolio, the interest rates, the inflation rates, you know, all of the things, all of the inputs have changed and it's just something where you have to factor that in and stay on top of it, but it shouldn't be an obstacle to enjoying it today. You don't have to delay gratification because of confusion. Yes. That's a really, really important important point. If confusion is, is the reason why you're putting things off or putting off enjoyment, then it's probably time to talk to an advisor. Yes. I love that you pulled that in there because that is exactly what it comes down to. I think confusion, lack of clarity, mm-hmm. lack of understanding how your assets could work and support you. What about some of the non-numerical things that could cause someone to delay gratification? We've talked a lot about identity. That's a key factor. Who am I? Do I identify as a parent? You know, there are a lot of parents sending their kids off maybe to college this year or their family's going through transition. And who am I when I'm not 
the dad of a kid at home or the mom of a kid at home? Who am I if I'm not the business owner or the executive or employed at this company? I think oftentimes people put off enjoyment or put off some of their goals because they're afraid of shedding that it'll be a change in identity and they're uncertain of who they are on the other side. Mm-hmm. And, and we've seen that with our clients too. We have the privilege of working with a number of heads of businesses, the CEOs of various profit, nonprofit businesses, and, and they have even expressed to us before. Up until the point of retirement, I walked into a room and I represented the company and I had the table in the front. And now that I'm retired, I might get a courtesy invitation and I'm in the back and I'm no longer representing what I was before. Mm-hmm. And that can be a challenge for, for a lot of people, but I think especially ones that don't have that full, well-rounded identity. In your case, one of the things that identifies you is your guitar playing skills and, and the fact that- well, you- skills is a little liberal there. That's, <laughs> that's, that's, I, I, really, I really appreciate that, Kate. You've seen me play like twice, so- <laughs> Well, the fact that it's it's something that you do for enjoyment, you have camaraderie with other people, you get together in groups, you enjoy music, that that is a, a piece of your life and a piece of your identity that is not connected to your work that you'll be able to carry with you throughout your lifetime. And so to have that spectrum of different things that you can identify with and that you can connect with, and I think it goes back to the relationships too. You're not walking into the office every day. Mm-hmm. You might have built really strong relationships with your coworkers. How strong are your relationships outside of the workplace? Because that's going to lead to your fulfillment. I'm going to plant a seed right here and then put a pin in this because I think that's going to be an entirely different podcast. There's a book that's coming out next week on change management. Mastering Change is the name of the book. I can't remember the, the author. But that aversion to change is a massive reason that people put things off. Like I, I'm worried that I'm I'm going to find myself in uncomfortable circumstances if I if I change this. So I'm just going to keep putting it off. I know I'm a good saver. I'll keep saving. I know I'm good at doing what I do. I'll keep doing it. But mastering change, the earlier you figure that out, I think the better that muscle is and the more useful that muscle is. And, and frankly, you talk about guitar playing or something like that. When I look at the last 365 days. It's been an extraordinary exercise for me in change management. Mm-hmm. I've learned different skills. I learned how to fly fish. We took the family abroad. We just, we did some things that were for me out of my comfort zone and things that I think are going to make it easier to transition in the future because I know, and, and the way this, this author put it is I don't have one room in my house in my arsenal of things that I enjoy and, and you know skill sets and everything else, there are multiple rooms. And I'll spend a little bit of time in this room, a little bit of time in this room. It's not one room that if I'm out of it, I'm out of my comfort zone. I think talking through change management is an important part because people defer on retiring and they defer on making other changes. They keep saying someday because they're afraid to change. Yes, I think you're exactly right. And, and that would be one huge piece of advice that we would give to call it 50-year-olds plus, don't be afraid to embrace something new, try something new. And if you look at your your week as a whole, there should be four or five different things that you're doing outside of the business of the day. Because if you delay and, and say, well, I'm going to learn that new hobby. I'm going to learn that new activity. I'm going to start doing whatever it is. I'm going to pick up fly fishing when I retire. What if you don't like it then? Like, give it a try. 
Yes. Try it now. <laughs> True. Build those different things into your, I'm going to say weekly rhythm. Not everything fits into a day, but build it into your weekly rhythm and allow yourself opportunities to be uncomfortable too. Mm. You know, we all struggle with that. Nobody wants to step out on a limb and not really know what they're doing when they're so used to being very successful in other areas. Right. What's your favorite thing in your life that for a long time you said someday, but now you're doing on a regular basis? I think something that I, I did push off for years and years, and it's, it's been kind of fits and starts. And, and I'm, I'm not even going to say that I'm doing it regularly, but it's more front of mind. And I try to do it more regularly is play tennis again. Mm-hmm. I grew up playing tennis. Uh, I had wonderful coaches, wonderful experiences. And then, you know, I, I think I played too much. I needed a break for a while. Yeah, yeah. And then, but all of a sudden you look up and it's years and years and family happens and life happens. And over the last couple of years, I've, I've really been trying to be more intentional about getting out on the court, especially in the summertime, at least once a week, even if it's just for a, a quick hour. That's, that's something we've even encouraged each other. Like we, we talked at the beginning of the summer, like, hey, check in every once in a while, make sure that, hey, Katie, are you getting out playing tennis? Dennis, are you getting out doing the things? And, and, um, and my, mine is, uh, is definitely the guitar playing. For a long time, I was in bands in college and when I was in the army, and then just it went away a little bit. You know, you move and you don't have people to you know, jam with or anything else. And in the last couple of years, suddenly people come out of the woodwork and say, oh, really? You play too? And now we, this, we have our third guitar night of this year coming up in October. It's a group of guys, you know, four or five guys that get together and we do hours-long jams at, at a house party with, with couples and everything else. It's so much fun. And I just think that's something where, again, my future self will, will appreciate that I didn't wait until I stopped working to start doing that again. That is something that integrates and it becomes part of it. It becomes a room in the house. Mm-hmm. Even if I, I can't sing anymore. I won't. As you could tell, when, when, with the Someday song at the beginning, I can't sing anymore. I'm done. So I that, wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, that's, that's I want to burst your bubble. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll do an episode of singing next time. <laughs> We're going to invite Gina. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, uh, vocal ability, that skipped the Morton Gene pool. So, uh, well, this has been a great conversation on, on delayed gratification and that idea that sometimes we need to stop saying someday and, and start building that skill set to transition and enjoy the moment and not always put it off. And again, it's a role that we relish as advisors to help coach people through that experience. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose. We hope you enjoy getting to know us, how we approach leading a financial advisory practice, and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions. Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com. Even I know this one. You know my answer? Yeah. Or your answer? Oh, what is it? Tennis. Oh, eh, fairly regular. Well, I, mean, I, I knew you to be a tennis player, but I never heard about you playing for years and years. And okay. now, and now you're, you're you're getting out there you know, beating people all over the court. <laughs>